Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I am the publisher of the website www.theweeklydriver.com. My colleague and friend is Bruce Aldrich, and today we have on a special guest, um, Michael McHale, who is the Director of Communications for Rivion. Uh, last November, uh, Rivion was, um, made a spectacular blue, uh, debut at the LA Auto Show, and um, I'm still thinking about the vehicle. I, I've been reading quite a bit about it. And uh, Michael, welcome to our program. We're, we're really eager to talk to you about this new great-looking vehicle. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Could you just give us, a to start with the name of the company, uh, I've been reading different um, histories of the company, the founder, and how the name came to pass. Let's just start with the name of the vehicle. How did that, how did that come about? So uh, Rivian is, is named after the area of Florida where our CEO and founder comes from. His name is Andre Scarinch. He founded the company in 2011. And it's a portmanteau, sort of a mixing up of Indian River, which is an area he, he grew up in as a boy, an outdoor environment area. So he took Indian River, moved it around a little bit, came up with Rivian. It's it's a great. It's so unusual that it, once you hear it, you don't you don't forget it. Um, That's right. So you you folks have the two vehicles that. Um, you know, are both very unique looking, the, the SUV and, I know you're not calling it an SUV, but the SUV and, and the pickup truck. So uh, identify those two vehicles for us and just give us an overview, if you would, ab- about the two vehicles and and what you guys had in mind when you came up with this. Uh, yeah, we do actually call it an SUV. We're very proud of that. We have two vehicles that sit on the same skateboard platform. Yes. The first is a pickup truck. And uh, the second is a three-row SUV. The pickup truck is almost a full-size and a half-ton pickup truck, and the SUV is a large three-row SUV, similar to, you might say, a Q7 or something like that. Yes. They both sit on the same platform, which we call a skateboard. It's a fully electric skateboard platform. So if you can imagine the skateboard that, you know, we've all fallen off at some point. Yes. Uh, It looks (laughs) like one of those when you take the body off wheel at each corner, and between those four wheels is the battery pack, so it's entirely integrated into the skateboard, and inside of that skateboard, we have four motors for either vehicle. We call it our quad motor all-wheel drive, so it's one motor for each wheel, but they sit inboard of the wheels, so they're not out in the wheels or in the hubs where they can get damaged and so on, or pushes your weight out there. They're almost in the center of the vehicle. They're locked together but they don't mechanically talk to each other, but they're independent all-wheel drive. So we get this great control of the wheels from that skateboard. And what that whole skateboard delivers to both vehicles is around or up to 800 horsepower and zero to 16.3 seconds, and then this great off-road capability because of the all-wheel drive. It's, it's when I saw the vehicles, as I mentioned earlier, I just was, uh, the way that the, from the the construction of the lights to the quality of the interior to exactly what you've explained and I know you've been um, this has been presented to to Rivian did, did the founder of the company and since then have you guys gone into this project uh, as a competitor of Tesla or is that a dirty word to you guys or, or give us your thoughts on on the comparison that people have made as a, a bona fide competitor to Tesla yeah, so it's not, it's not a dirty word. We, we, we like Tesla because we think that they 
did some real good for the UV space, you know, a few years ago. It's hard to believe in 2012 they didn't exist. Yes. But um, prior to that, you might remember, electric vehicles were slow. That's what people thought. Yes. They were golf carts. They were the things that you went around the golf uh, course in, and they got to 10 miles an hour, and that's all they could do. So that was a, a great change of perception when Tesla came in and a couple of other EV makers came in that suddenly people understood electric vehicles are fast. And, you know, they're better for the environment, and that's our long-term goal. So the more electric car companies are around, the, the quicker we move to electric power, the more we like that. So nothing against Tesla. We think they're great. But we're slightly different. Yes. So our vehicles are in the what we call the adventure space. And in that space, we will do things with electric vehicles that uh, other companies have not yet done. We'll show you you can get them wet. We'll show you that you can treat them, you know, in a tough way, that they're not fragile. And you can wipe them down and go again the next day. And we'll show that, that you, can, you can take them off-road uh, with great articulation. So we think our vehicles are at least equal and probably better than the best off-road vehicles in their class right now. So that's great, you know, so if you look at Tesla, we like them, it's great, they've brought the EV industry in a long way, and now it's up to us to take our space of that EV world, or our space of the car world, and do what we can with it. Sure, you guys definitely have a different niche, you want to get off-road and get out there. Yeah, that's right. I, I understand you have a brand partner now that we're kind of familiar with, a guy named Alex Hunold, the free soloist. Oh, yeah, 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 he's a... Uh, He's a, a great friend of ours. He likes what we're doing, and we like what he does. It's a very natural fit there. We interviewed him uh, about a year ago, and we like to think that we uh, kind of put him on the map. <laughs> we oh, have, really? Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not really. <laughs> when Bruce and I went to the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, coming up on two years ago now, and uh, we, we drove over to his new home in Las Vegas, and we talked to him about... Still, he, although he owns a home, he, he still likes to live in his van. And uh, so we did that. And, and, and prior to that, I didn't interview him just because of, you know, his accomplishments. But since he's from our area in Sacramento, we, yeah, Bruce and I take credit for, for making Alex Hunold who he is. And of course, we're, we're having fun with it. But we really, I've enjoyed his company and so does Bruce. And he's, with the movie that came out, um, he's sure getting a lot of attention. So it, it's a, it looks, sounds like a good partnership. I know he's, Sure. He gives a great chunk of his income to, you know, environmental causes that he has with his foundation. So that's good. Are you guys yeah. planning commercials or, or uh, anything like that? Some outreach programs with him or how is he going to be involved? Oh, we'll keep talking with him and working those things out. He's a good a good person for us to, to be aligned with. And we do naturally like each other. He has a good affinity with RJ, who's our CEO. And he was in just the other week. I met him in the office. And... You know, one of the most authentic, genuine guys you could ever wish to meet. Isn't isn't it oh, something? Yeah. He had his his yeah. absence of ego. He uh, I don't know how old you are, but I sometimes maybe unfairly compare him to Peter Falk in Columbo. He's kind of uh, oh, yeah. a little bit absent-minded and helter skelter, but when he does what he does, he's the best that there is. And so sure. I always compare him to to Peter Falk. So. Oh, he's got some big hands. He's got and some big, big fingers and, and really wide, you know. And and they're like there's fingertips are like suction cups, you know. It's it's pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing uh, fellow. Um, there's a lots lots to go on about uh, the car, and we we got to a lot of different subjects. But um, tell me, uh, tell us about the the locations. Now we're in Sacramento, but in San Jose, you're going to have a 
<coughs> pardon me, are they calling it a technology center or where are the different parts of the country where, where um, the company is involved? Yeah, so we're uh, based in a few areas of the country, four places in the U.S. and yes. a place in the U.K. We have our engineering office in Plymouth, Michigan, where all of our engineering takes place. Yes. And our styling is there, and that's because... You know, Michigan is home to all of that stuff. They, they understand very well how to engineer and design vehicles. And then we have, in California, we have two offices. Our Irvine facility is our battery technology place where they're being very clever in how to make very dense battery packs that add to the um, efficiency range of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. That's in Irvine. And then in San Jose, we have our connected car business. And they're the guys who are looking at you know, making sure when you're driving along in your ribbing, you're fully connected to the road. And more than that, you have great... It's a really important thing in EVs is to make sure that your thermal management is top level because the way you thermally manage your batteries increases their range and also their their battery life over time. So if you can keep batteries within ambient temperature all the time, it really helps the longevity of those, of those batteries. And that's what those guys do in San Jose, and they're very clever people up there, and they're, they're working really hard on that. And then in Illinois, we have our manufacturing facility in Normal, where we will be producing the, the Rivian vehicles. Now, Michael, the uh, battery that you mentioned, I understand it's going to be, you can get up to 180 kilowatt hours. Is that like the largest one ever made? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's almost double what's the biggest pack on the road right now and uh, it, that's really a, a function of two things Rivian is quite a large vehicle and the skateboard makes the most efficient use of space so you're not packaging it around you know other things that might be on the chassis for a different use of that chassis so if you look at other manufacturers they might have to make a space for where the exhaust system is or something like that on their regular version but we don't have a regular version it's purely EV very efficient from that point of view and also the denseness of the batteries. We pack our batteries very tightly together because we have this very clever cooling system. It means we can put a lot of energy into the system. So, yes, up to 180 kilowatts. That clever cooling, is that uh, liquid? Is that water or something yeah. else? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a liquid-based coolant. It's not water. It is something, and I cannot remember what it is. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, some of the other companies, uh, good and bad, um, have taken take deposits for vehicles and what struck me is that uh, Rivian is uh, asking for a thousand dollars for let's just say for sake of argument you know a sixty five thousand dollar vehicle it surprised me uh, that the amount of the deposit was a low relatively low compared to some other companies where they're taking deposits of ten thousand dollars and so can you give give us the idea of how that came to be a thousand dollars and is it okay to ask if you have a lot of deposits already yeah so it's it's one of those round numbers that you like to reach so people feel as if they're committed to the program we want to make sure that people coming in have a certain level of commitment to their purchase yes but they get the money back you know it's fully refundable it's not ours it's in a trust somewhere we don't see it but um thousand dollars feels like that's a somewhat of a commitment and then we can get to know you we can get to like you we can start a conversation with you and, and also it helps us because we can see people like you mm-hmm. so if we know a certain type of person is putting down a deposit that helps our marketing folks to go and look for similar types of people and yeah we're getting I can't tell you how many because that's that's one of those trade secrets sure. but we are getting a lot of interest in it 
phenomenal amount of interest in the vehicle right now. The Weekly Driver podcast gets support from americantrucks.com. Visit www.americantrucks.com. Not only do you have a good-looking vehicle, but it's eco-friendly, obviously, being electric. And then you're also uh, going down the autonomous route, right? And there's supposed to be level three autonomy when you when they when they're built. Yeah, that's right. The, the vehicle will come out with level three autonomy and will have a lot of clever features, such as our off-road mapping system, where if a Rivian goes on an off-road trail, Rivian will map the trail, and know where it is, and then be able to send that map to other Rivians. So if you're on an off-road route somewhere in the country. Every other Rivian will know that off-road route and then could follow it in a level three semi-autonomous way. Wow! And can you can you describe what uh, level three autonomy is? Yeah, it's it's hands off, but be aware is the easiest way to look at it. So level one is so there's a little bit of braking assistance. Level two is keeping you in lane. Sure. Level three is you can hands off, but you need to be there and there needs to be a steering wheel. Level four then. Maybe there's no steering wheel. Level five is complete, you know, self-driving. But level four and level five are a long way away. I think the media starting to understand that now. You know, it became one of those talking points for two or three years, self-driving cars. But I think it's the step from level two to level three is fairly big. But to level four is through the roof, and then to level five is the moon. You know, that's okay. sort of the, the, you know, orders of magnitude there. So level three for most people will be situation where you're in the vehicle you're near the wheel and you're situationally aware but you can be doing other things until the vehicle tells you not to well that'd be great in traffic huh yeah that's yeah about- yeah 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 it's, it's so you think of traffic if you think of highway miles if you think of, it'll take you home level three will take you home wow as long as you're ready to intervene should the system you know encounter something that's the way that sometimes, ch- yeah sometimes what happens with other evs right now at the autonomous space is people think the vehicle's can do more than they really can and that's why you see those headlines sometimes sure right. i just i really like the way you described it because you said it all the different levels very succinctly and even i understand it now i think more than i did <laughs> more than i did five minutes ago um, right. um uh, michael the uh, other many other things uh, stand out with the vehicle particularly on the on the truck side um can you explain the 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 great uh, compartment that's um you know, between the, the bed and the, and the back seat and how that came about. And there's a little, uh, open, oh, you open up the c- compartment and there's a chair, uh, uh, a chair there. It just, it's the, yeah. one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And, and it, who, who would have thought that it was in a pickup truck? So yeah. what, what is that called and how did Alex it come Hunnell, about? Alex Hunnell could sleep in yeah, there. Alex will sleep in there. I'm thinking he'll like it. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he might be just big enough to do that. But yeah, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, you've done your homework. That's good. Yeah. So that... That compartment we, we call the gear tunnel. We, we played around with lots of different names for it. Yes. But essentially, if you can imagine in your mind, it sits or it's placed beneath the rear seats, um, slightly to the rear and then below the rear seats in the cab. It runs from one side of the vehicle to the other. and It's like a pass-through area. Yes. Because if you think about it, it's an electric vehicle. It doesn't have any mechanicals running through that area. That frees that space up. So suddenly we, we have the space to use. And when we look at trucks, you know, you look at the way people use trucks and it's one of the most popular forms of, of vehicle configuration in the U.S., but there are some downsides, you know. If you have a, a bed, 
that's all you have. So if it rains, there's nowhere to put your stuff. Yes. Other than on the back seat, if it's a you know two row, and it, it's very limiting. So once the engine goes away, we can use that space. Now we could have reconfigured the car and make it look like a spaceship, but we wanted to keep that classic truck proportion. People understand that. People like it. It's it's a way of identifying a truck as a truck. But what that gave us was a great space in the front of the vehicle, front trunk, we call it the front, powered up, and you press the button, the, the hood opens, and then you have this great fully sealed waterproof area to put your stuff, and you'll never go back once you start using that. But the gear tunnel is really what gets people's attention, because it it's it's almost like, you know, when they saw the lady in half on the stage, it's one of those visual things <laughs> that happened. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem right, but then you start to think it through, and because the battery pack is so narrow and and and, and thin, mm-hmm. and so compact, the space above it to put this gear tunnel, and you can put buggies and golf clubs and short boards and all that, and then it's lockable. And then when the the seat comes down, of it, the door folds down. It folds into a seat configuration, which then you can sit on to put your boots on before you go and do the thing that the Rivian took you to. You know, it's that whole ecosystem. That's worth the price, I think, right there. You're a comfortable sold, chair. I was already sold, but now I'm really sold. I think it's, it's great. Um, looking at the vehicle from the outside, uh, jumping up to the front of the vehicle, the headlights have, uh, as you well know, a very unusual configuration. Um, explain those to us, if you could, and, and how those came to be and, and what they're all about. Yeah, so we call that our stadium uh, lighting because mm-hmm. it's shaped like a you know um, like a racetrack kind of stadium yes. effect. And when we were designing the front of the vehicle, you know, it doesn't need a grill because it doesn't breathe. It's it's a weird thing to think about, but that car could work could work fully submerged because it just doesn't need any air. So mm-hmm. that's a, when you start thinking in those terms, like okay, this is almost like an alien life form in that it's not breathing way a regular gas engine breathes mm-hmm. but because it doesn't breathe it doesn't need a grill so you think okay you could put one on for ornamentation but that doesn't feel right so once you start removing the grill then you have a very clean surface like, yes okay how do we make something that looks like us that nobody else can copy that will be very signature identifiable to us our designers went away they're very clever people we came back with this stadium um, sort of racetrack idea for the lights and I think it works really well. And so what happens is you look at the vehicle from the side or three-quarter and say, okay, it's a pickup truck. And then you look again and you say, wait a minute. This isn't a normal pickup truck. It's you very distinctive, yes. Very distinct, right. yeah, yeah. So it's that second take, right, that second take. You're given comfort by the fact that the proportions tell you it's a pickup truck. And then you're internally asked a question by the design to say, look at me again. And that really works. It, it's kind of looks like a Range Rover to me, type of clean look with those type of creases and lines on it. Uh, not an alien life form for sure. What, what, how, would, how would you describe it? How would you describe the look of the car or truck? Well, I would say, well, both. The, the, the truck and the SUV, I would say they have very classic proportions, very clearly understood proportions. So, you, you know, if you say Range Rover, you say any other company, there, there is a general understanding of the right proportions for a Yes. And I think we've hit those proportions. And then from there, you know, we've done a little bit more with the design to make it ours. The, the alien life form, I really mean in terms of the technology. I know, I know. This is, <laughs> this is technology from another life. That's this right. Is organic, this is something else. 
that's that's the point there. But in terms of look, you know, I think they're very clean, very clear. And when you see them in, in, in the flesh, they uh, we, we had them in Aspen the other week for an event, and people stopped getting their tracks because it's just something they haven't seen before. It's especially in Aspen where there's a lot of. Uh you know, uh, expensive jets and all kinds of different cars. Uh, you guys went to Aspen and made an impression. I'm, I'm sure yeah. that you would anyway, but it, now it makes even more sense because it is it is um, one of a kind or two of a kind, I should say. Um, right, right, right. Another area, Michael, and I, I know the answer to the question before I ask it, but I'm going to make a comparison that's really unfair. Um, for four or five years now, I've had fun, as have other journalists, with this company that has never come to fruition, Elio, the... Um, $7,000, $5,000 car, whatever it was, and the price kept going up, and they, they kept having um, different prototypes uh, and so on and so forth, but the, the car has never been made. And um, okay. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. It's The gentleman's name is Paul Elio, and and for the most part, he's a dreamer, and it's just never happened. And so uh, my question, I guess, is uh, I, can we assume that the Rivian, <laughs> Rivian's going to happen, and when it does happen... How will the public um, come to get them? Are they, are they going to be available online only or through various dealerships or other arrangements? Yeah, well, we have a, a whole factory in normal Illinois that's gearing up to make these things, so you can be sure they're, they're coming. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Right now, yes. It's going to produce these things, and, of course, we have the funding in place to do that. Um, you know, a couple of very good companies have looked very deeply into our our eyes and, and like what they've seen and put money in so we're we're very healthily funded and all that's coming to fruition very nicely and then when we do go to market we will go through a, a direct sales um, mechanism it, it works for companies like ours so you know if you're selling a million cars a year and maybe the dealer model works for you but when you're a small company and you're starting and you're you know the dealer model is a really inefficient way for us to go to market. It's much better for us to go direct to the customer, particularly if you think about so much of the updating of the vehicle and the servicing of the vehicle happens over the air now. So we will do yeah. over-the-air updates. You physically won't need to take your car in for a reflash. We'll do that for you. And you'll wake up in the morning and there'll be, you know, um, operating system 2.0 yes. on, your, on your dash. And it'll, it'll, it's a different relationship. And... For smaller companies starting out in the, in the auto market, the, the direct model really helps us grow and gives consumers that choice of, you know, taking from a big legacy manufacturer or coming to one of the smaller, if you like, boutique manufacturers. And, um, and yeah, so the direct sales route is the way we're going to go. Do you know how many, uh, what are they expecting? What's that Mitsubishi, uh, the old Mitsubishi plant there in, uh, what is it, uh, Illinois? Um, how yeah. many cars will they be able to produce a year? Is there any numbers well, out yet? Yeah, so we're being fairly conservative. We, we think we can sell between 20 and 40,000 vehicles a year, which, you know, in the scale of 17, 18, 19 million cars a year in the U.S. is, is a small amount, but it sure. makes us money and it keeps us nice and, and unique. But the plant itself has a capacity of over 200,000. So over time, when we add models and we grow our business and we're exporting, that will grow. And of course, we have this ability with the skateboard platform to sell that platform versions thereof or license that platform to other manufacturers or other business partners to produce what they would like to put on the road. So when you think about the capacity of the plant, it's our vehicles, but it's also 
other things that we're producing there too. I see. Now you mentioned this event in Aspen and uh, as a, a journalist, um, when are you, you going to come to Northern California so my, my, my colleague and I can have a drive? Um, we should have yeah, that on the... Yeah. Have that on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you have any in San Jose? We'll make the drive to San Jose. When, when, can, we drive, <laughs> when can we drive one? <laughs> yeah, you're the first people to ask me that. Yeah, yeah, I, I it imagine... It looks fun. I'd love to drive that. Matter of fact, there's a, I'm sure there's a very long line from here yeah. to, uh, to uh, Michigan yeah. to, to have a drive, yes. Um, yeah, we'll be, um, we'll be producing. So for the rest of this year, our job is to develop and put into production the, the, the show cars we showed in LA. Yes. We're doing that all, all the way through this year. And probably by the end of this year, beginning of next year, we'll have something that's very representative of the final product in terms of drive. So that what you saw in LA and what you can see online is very representative of the way the car will look and feel and colors and design, that's all there. But now, of course, we have to turn that into engineering and we're doing that right now. And then there'll be something, I would say, at the end of this year that you'll be able to sit in and drive around it and say, okay, I get it. Yes. That will be very close to production representative at that point. Bruce wasn't able to make L.A. this year, but when we when I did a, a podcast segment down there, I talked to one of your colleagues, and I made the mistake, and I'm going to have a joke with this, I made the mistake of reaching in and touching... Oh, yeah. Touching the con, touching the console or the dash, yeah. and and one of your uh, one of the young women who was there scolded me, uh, in in a very nice professional way, and, and I, I got I took I took what she said seriously because uh, it was kind of, she was protecting the vehicle quite well, and, and I made the mistake because it's such a you know it's like a magnetic pull you want to wow. touch that beautiful console and the and the dash, but um, I was uh, reprimanded, so I just <laughs> I thought yeah, I'd, I'll, I'll give you an insight into that. Yeah. Yes. Typically, you hire people into it. You know, there are outside agencies that come in, and yes. the, the people on the stand don't particularly work for your company, and next week they're working for another company. Yes. Well, at, on our stand, we brought our own people in. So that stand was staffed by engineers and designers and tech people and, um, uh, you know, software people who were there and for a week and never done that stuff before. So I'm glad that she handled you well. <laughs> she did. <laughs> Yes. cars on the road now and uh, there's two of them and if you see it you've seen the only one in the world of that truck or the only one in the world of the SUV gotcha. so we have to make sure it's easy to look after and I will tell you you know when people get to shows they they're very um, they're very tactile and hands on yes and, you know, that's my, why they're there yeah yeah Yeah. from my old days you know we used to learn to take the, the gear knobs off because man they'd be gone within half an hour like that was that's right that was it but, yeah. You know, it's uh, and people don't think because they, you know, they think they're looking inside a seventy-five thousand dollar car, which when it's in production they are doing. But when it's a handmade prototype, that's magnitudes of order more expensive, and we have to look after it, you know, through its six-month life. You know? I understand. It's like if you go to an art museum, you can't touch the painting, so I shouldn't have touched the that's painting right. on wheels. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. Um, we'll also, you, we'll send you a print copy then. <laughs> okay. I also noticed the wonderful color scheme and how the logo of the car, um, if I remember correctly, is a this beautiful green color with gold. Maybe the color's not gold, but a gold color type uh, of the, the lettering and the logo, and that's very striking too. And will it be just available in that color, or will you have other color patterns? Well, 
the, the vehicle colours will be the usual range, you know, that you get on a on the manufacturer. But the the badge, and I'm trying to remember the name of the yellow. It's called ochre. It's some yellow, and it's yes. very beautiful, yes. very striking. Yes. And yeah, the, the attention to detail that has gone into this brand. I mean, it, I joined the company last year, and you know, for the first two weeks, I could not get over the level of detail that this company gone to in every aspect of what it does, mm -hmm. including that beautiful 3D logo that, by the way, represents a, a, a compass. Oh, so okay. If you look at it, and you yes. know if you're, if you're on a, a mapping system on, on your computer that has that sort of um, diamond-shaped logo that tells you north, south, east, and west, right. that's the point. So it's supposed to just be representative of travel and adventure and movement very, very good at this. I mean, these guys are the best in the business at this stuff. Yes. And that's why you remembered it, because they did their job. That's right. right. Absolutely right. Michael, could you go over the pricing of the two vehicles? Yeah, yeah. The um, the, the only thing we've announced right now is base price. So the, the R1T, the truck, has a base price of 62500 after federal tax credit, so 69 before. And then uh, the SUV has a $65,000 base price. If you don't qualify for federal tax, that's 7500 And so, you know, really, in terms of premium, uh, high-quality, large vehicles with that kind of performance, you know, that's a pretty decent price, to be honest. Yeah, you're, you're quoting zero to 60 in, like, what was it, three seconds? Three seconds, yeah. Three seconds. Yeah. yeah. And, and, a f uh, and with the biggest uh, battery at 420 um, miles on a charge, something like that? Yeah, 410, something four like ton. that. Yeah. 410, yeah. And, yeah. you know, if you look at most people in their day, they do 60 to 80 miles on average in a day um, over a week or over a month. So a 400-mile a 400 mile range is two to three to four days worth of uh, driving before you have to recharge. Yes. And it's a different way of thinking about vehicles. So if you go home at night and you have a gallon left in your tank, wake up in the morning you still have a gallon left in your tank but with an electric vehicle if you go home on a quarter charge and you plug it in you go to bed you wake up in the morning you have a full tank of gas again you that's know, right yeah different way of thinking about it it's um and when you're driving on the highway and you're down to your last 10 percent and you put half an hour's worth of charge on the vehicle you'll you add another 200 miles in 30 minutes so it's a very livable system and it's just a different way of thinking about you replenish you know it's like phones we do it every night without thinking we come in yep. charge the phone. yeah we got used to it didn't we got used uh, to it, it, it was always a problem at the beginning but uh, we, we that's right we learned yes yeah, and then the same with the car you'll come in you'll put it on your driveway you'll plug it in and um, and then you you know you wake up in the morning and then you have 400 miles again and you guys are going to use whatever charging systems that's out there currently i mean you won't be using Tesla's proprietary, but you'll have whatever the other level twos or that's right. That's whatever right. they use. It's interesting when you look at the numbers. I think there's something like 160,000 gas stations in the U.S. or some ridiculous number. Yes. And I think there's 600 Tesla chargers right now. The, the rest of the industry will go to a common standard, and that will apply across the whole of the industry. And it, it will be very ubiquitous. You'll be in, you know, every town coffee shops will get smart about this and start putting them in and supermarkets and you'll just do it as part of your daily life you'll pull in 
for lunch somewhere, you'll plug your car in and then you'll come out after lunch and you've added 200 miles. It'll be that kind of life. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you've obviously uh, very good at what you do and, and you've, like I said, I was already one over, and but if I wasn't, I certainly am now. If I'm the no. member of the general public and I decide to go onto the website today and I and I deposit a thousand dollars, what what happens then um, with the consumer? You mentioned your marketing department. Do they contact people and updates yeah. and newsletters yeah. or some sort of other incentive? Right. What's what goes on with the thousand dollars between now and 2020? Yeah, so we start the relationship with you now, and there is a welcome kit that you get. Um, it means we can be nice to you, and you know we send you a couple of things, and then we invite you into the family, and you get to be part of an internal group. And, you know, we'll start asking you questions. You know, we're, we're interested now even with our uh, first bunch of owners or first bunch of depositees to say... Depositees, oh, I love that. Depositees. <laughs> okay. Very good, okay. Michael. Where Very good. <laughs> Where'd you go the weekend? What did you do? You know, that kind of tell us a bit more about yourselves. Yes. It's, it's a great way for us to understand the space. So, you know, you'll get to... You will, as a... As a as a person who's deposited something in the company, you will get to influence the way we go to market because we're listening to you. What do you expect? When is an expected delivery date for the first orders, and what what is a hang-up point right now? What what technology is slowing slowing you up, or do you know? Uh, I think my internal brain capacity is probably slowing the company up. That's okay, sure. perfect. That's probably our, <laughs> our, our bottleneck right now. It's the PR department. Uh, in all honesty, the, the, there is no bottleneck. You know, we understand what we have to do. We're going to spend the next 18 months delivering on that. And the vehicles come into production at the end of 2020. So you'll okay. be able to get them round about that time. Great. Thank you. Well, Michael, thanks uh, for the last uh, 30, oh, 35, 30, 35 minutes on the Weekly Driver podcast. Um, it's, I think it's fantastic, as you know, and I'm sure other people, many other people, although you can't tell us the number, I'm sure it's, really uh, doing well with um, pre-orders and deposits and all those good things. So thank you, uh, Michael McHale, the communications director for Rivion, for being our guest today on the Weekly Driver Podcast. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. The Weekly Driver Podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today.